TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. Marcus Pierce here with you and boy oh boy, I think I say boy oh boy every second episode, but boy oh boy, boy. am I excited because today we are talking with a man who is going to smash, wash, cleanse our souls of all things that have been greenwashed. He is the king of nutrition, longevity, and wellness. Dr. Damien Christoph, how are you, brother? Hello, PC. Thank you, PC. Boy, oh boy, this will be a great podcast. I'm going to tell you, and I, I'd love to know where boy, oh boy actually comes from. Oh, uh, look, you know, when you hear things, they just someone become else a part of you. I, I'm probably going to say, I don't even like admitting it, but I feel like mm. it might be uh, Brian Taylor, AFL commentator. Wow-wee. Wow-wee, boy, oh boy. But boy, I, it could oh be boy. something else or someone else. Um, now, now you've got um, not an axe to grind, uh, but you've got a conversation to have. I've got a beef on it. A beef. I've got a bee in my bonnet, and you've got a beef. Yeah. So, um, I think it's important that you go first because you've raised the beef. But uh, I just want to say I've got to get rid of the bees in my bonnet around greenwashing. So this is all about greenwashing. This episode, Damo, hit us up with a bit of context, a bit of a story, and let's go go away with it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So um, I, I'm going to make a disclaimer here. I'm not going to mention the food company that's greenwashing because I don't want to be sued um, <laughs> because they've got heaps of cash and I just know that they're going to do it. Uh, so, But what I want to say is that um, I'm learning at the moment. I'm learning a whole lot of stuff and I'm really glad that I'm learning. And the reason why I'm learning is because Amber went on a um, an exploration last week. She went to Uluru. She went to Canberra. Um, and she went to Sydney, and this is all in one week. And they did a, um, a, a like a, a, I suppose a, a, a presentation on the voice to Parliament. They did a presentation on the statement of Uluru, to Uluru or the Uluru statement. I'm not too sure what that's called. I'm learning. Um, and then um, they did a whole lot on ESG, so environment, social, and government or governance. Um, I think that's what it is. And so doing all those sorts of things there and she's come back pretty inspired, which I'm really excited about, but maybe maybe also a little bit overwhelmed thinking of all the things that big companies need to be doing these days in order to make themselves, I suppose, up to scratch like a B Corp would be up to scratch to, uh, to be doing the best thing by the planet and the best thing by the people. Anyway, there's a, uh, a podcast that's being, um, produced at the moment called 100 Conversations. Um, and it's 100 Conversations about climate change, I think it is. And so I thought, well, I'll, I, you know, it's a big topic. I don't want to be um, a laggard. I don't want to be one of those middle-aged white males that kind of thinks he knows everything without having been, you know, educated, <laughs> um, which I'm certainly guilty of being at times in my life. So I thought, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to learn about this. And so... I've been listening to these hundred conversations and uh, it's really well produced to be honest with you, but there's a few things that have been said that really get my goat. Oh, um, and even this. as I said, 
even as I said that, there's a little green light on my camera. Because my eyes went cross-eyed for a second, I saw four of those green lights <laughs> because um, it got my goat so much. It's given me a beef. And it's interesting that I want to ha- I've got a beef because we're going to be talking about a vegan product. Um, Before we go to Ikaria to eat goat, you want to get this beef yes. uh, out of your system about a vegan product whilst yep. I have a bee in my bonnet that some yes. people don't call vegan when they produce honey. So, all right. Yeah, because they work too freaking hard, those poor little bees. And if they're in current culture right now, because they work so hard, they're probably tired and they might as well just resign if you're tired. The bees want a four-day work week. Yeah, four-day work week. And I'm retiring because it's just a bit hard right now. I'm a bit worn out. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not going not, not gonna to coach my footy club anymore because I'm a bit worn out. <laughs> um, and I'm not going to run the government in Western Australia anymore because it's been tough for me or <laughs> unbelievable. I like, love it. That- Carry on. This oh, is a soapbox. This is Jamo's soapbox. This part is of my beef. Good. So anyway, I'm listening to this bloke and he's uh, having a little chat and he says, you know, um, it's really important for the environment that we find ways in which we can consume protein um, that's less impactful. Oh, no. The environment. Oh, you're not going to go down this path, are you? What do you mean? You're going to have animal protein demonized and plant protein is the angel of, is this? And Well, I love that. This little conversation has clickbaited you into oh, thinking which way I'm going to go. Well, so, my goat, my goat, and my beef is like in on steroids right now. Here we go. So I'm listening to this bloke, and um, he works. He's the CEO of a major company that produces plant-based proteins, and he reads out the um, you know the data associated with the utilization of plant-based proteins. Um, and he worked with the CSIRO to come up with a plant-based protein. Um, that bleeds. So it actually, it has like a juice in it, a liquid in it that comes from an algae um, that's red when it's raw and it turns kind of a gray when it's cooked, which is similar to what would happen with meat. So they worked on flavors so that when you you cook this plant-based protein, um, it tastes like the same meat that you would have thought you were eating if you didn't know that it was something else. And so he was espousing the virtues of this and how exciting this actually is because for those people who want to continue to eat the flavor of those particular foods but don't like the idea of the impact on the environment of eating a chicken or a cow um, or a lamb, um, you can now get those same flavors that behave the same way on the cooktop um, in your burger. You can have them and they're plant-based and they impact the environment by... I don't know. Well, let's put it the other way. We'll flip it the other way around. Like the manufacture of beef um, is 70 times greater impact on the environment than the manufacture or the growth of these, what he calls sustainable crops, soy and canola. And so all of a sudden I'm hearing this bloke like say all these things about the benefits of buying this particular plant-based meat or plant-based burger, which is highly manufactured costs less than one and a half cents to manufacture one of these patties, which you can buy, you know, at a burger chain where the burgers are better. And you you are now buying a one and a half cent plant-based patty that bleeds like it would if it was an animal, and but it has a better impact on the environment. And it's being sold to you on the premise that if you consume this particular type of food, you're doing a better job for the environment. 
And so in your mind, because it's plant-based and in your mind, because it's called a sustainable crop and in your mind, because you think it's doing a better job for the environment, you now think that it's healthy for you. And there's a big divide between what is good for the planet and what is healthy for you. And that's what got my beef because he then said, I love eating meat and I love the taste of meat. And for me, I'm going to continue to be a meat eater. But for those of you who want to do a better job for the environment, we've invented this plant-based product and made from sustainable crops, soy and canola. Now, don't get me started on soy and canola, PC, because they are, maybe they're sustainable, but they aren't good for you. They're not good for you if you're going to be consuming those sorts of foods all the time. That's not good for you. He said, I'm going to keep on eating the meat. But if you want to eat our product, we're doing a better job for the environment by you buying our product instead of buying the cow or the lamb or the chicken. What he failed to disclose is that if you feel like you need to eat this particular meat, we don't know whether or not manufactured proteins from plant-based sources, being soy and canola, we don't know if that increases your risk of heart disease diabetes or cancer because there's no longitudinal studies ever done or epidemiological studies ever done on the sub in and sub out of different types of proteins particularly if they're this heavily manufactured and it got my beef that he was up there banging the lectern saying that this is way better for the planet and you all should do it when then i was thinking that if you're going to develop heart disease diabetes and cancer from eating this manufactured proceeds plant-based meat you're probably likely to develop different diseases that will require medication. That medication's coming through the toilet. And what do you reckon Southeast Water's biggest issue is right now? Trying to get the medication out of your urine so they can get rid of the water that comes from the effluent, put it back into the into our aquifers they can't do it at the moment because the medications that are coming through the sewerage system we've got statin drugs we've got antidepressants we've got all kinds of medications coming through the the sewerage that the water treatment plants can't get rid of and that's going to be more detrimental and dangerous to the environment than the consumption of animal-based products is what i'm thinking oh my gosh I went through such a range of emotions listening to you talk. My heart rate almost doubled. My physical body temperature, I think, went up about five degrees. I know it didn't, but it felt like I was burning. Mm. Um, can you feel I, my beef? Oh, I can, can feel, you feel my beef? beef. I've got my goat up. I've got a bee in my bonnet. Yeah. Um, Have I cooked your chook? You've cooked my chook, and this feels anything but sustainable. Um it's not sustainable. I, it's I not don't know where to start, except let me be the devil's advocate for the person that's going, well, what is so bad about canola and soybeans? Because I wrote down, well, I took the bait. I took the bait on this when I was 24, 25 and became a vegan for five or six or seven years. Yep. So I empathize with everyone that's going to listen to this greenwashing and take the bait because uh, we still can't find a 100-year-old vegan who's been vegan since they were born. And most people that we know that have been vegan or vegetarian do it for 7, 14, 21, maybe 28 years at maximum. Always in a factor of seven. Run out of steam. Not Except always, you, but I like to generalize. Yeah. <laughs> you were only five years. I think I was five and two. I think I was vego for two and vegan for five there or something. I was a five and two. Yeah. Um, so, okay, let's go. let's go hard on devil's advocate. What is so bad? about canola and soybeans put the whole um effluent and the medical medications in the water because i didn't even know that so i did had no 
idea about that. Um, so talk to me about canola and soybean because when I was in northern Victoria recently and it was so, quote, unquote, beautiful with so much yellow around with the canola, mm. um, my heart had an equal sinking going, but it's just not right. But I couldn't tell you all of the reasons. I know that I don't want to go anywhere near canola oil from a health perspective, but I wouldn't be able to put into words. I just know mm. that I want it. Yeah. So can you talk to the health perspective and the, and and can you just talk to that because I think that's something that people need some clarity on, myself included. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe I should have been a bit more prepared for this because I don't know all of the ins and outs of the reasons why canola is so bad. Well, probably more the seed oils type thing because this is mm. probably where you, you can talk to is yeah. um, I know there's oils that are just not sustainable at high temperatures and all yeah. of the rest of it, but if you're, my, I suppose what I'm leaning to is that if you're creating plant-based proteins out of oil, what do you call them when they're sensitive? They've got low smoke points and all the rest of it. Like if you're going to go and cook them, that's yeah. no good. That's why we use olive oil or avocado oil or macadamia oil. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah. So if we just look at it from that perspective, like to eat a raw oil, an oil that would be beneficial for us, um, you you never really want to heat it over 170 degrees, even if it says it's smoke point or it's flash point is, you know, at 170 or 175 degrees, you just want to kind of have those oils warm enough that they cook and sizzle the food, and that's a great thing. Mm. The thing that they espouse with, say, rice bran oil and um, canola oil is that they're high-heat oils. In other words, they can sustain and withstand high levels of heat because of their chemical processing and um, the way in which they're extracted. Um, They have a high smoke point, so they're really good for frying. Um, in that they, they don't burn, and so they don't turn then or convert to what's called a cis fat, um, or then become a trans fat. That's the that's the main thing that they talk about with that. So if you use say sunflower oil um, or another oil that's you know kind of got more polyunsaturates in it, that that's gonna potentially be less healthful for you if you take it to a high temperature than if you use an oil you know such as canola or rice bran that's got a really high smoke point, flash point, um, but there is no health benefit in those foods. Like there is zero health benefit in those foods um, in that there's, it doesn't help you be healthier um, at all um, and, and it may even, you know, be detrimental to your health. So I I stay away from canola and I definitely stay away from rice bran oil. You know, I stay away from rice bran oil, you know, with a 10-foot pole, Um, and um, I just don't like it. It's that bad. So, and canola, I try to avoid at all costs. So, um, and maybe, you know, what we could do is we could go into that in another episode, you know, the the ins and outs of that. But just because it's sustainable doesn't mean it's healthy for you. The thing about soy- Tobacco is sustainable. What's that? (laughs) Tobacco is sustainable. Tobacco, yeah, tobacco is sustainable. That's a cracker. Yeah, that's really good for you. Really good. If you chew it, not even. So, um, what, what I think- the other point here is that soybeans, even though maybe they're sustainable, I thought they required a lot of water. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe they're saying that they require less water than what you require to, you know, raise cattle on. But again, that's another bit of a furphy because it seems to me that the data that the, the scientist was using, you know, kind of was referring to the cattle needing to be raised on grain. Feed, and, and in Australia, we don't yeah. do that. Like we don't we don't raise our cattle on grain. We have pasture fed cattle and pasture fed lamb 
Um, and if we've got free-range pork, that's pasture-fed, right? So, like, we we have pasture-fed and it's maybe finished with some grain, but we don't use as much water for the manufacture of our cattle as what they do, say, in the United States, where they have massive grain lots yep. um, to feed the cattle. Um, so very, very different. So from a sustainability perspective, I think, in fact, they also feed cattle soybeans over in the US. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, and and if we were more statistically oriented, we'd be able to tell you how much how much grain does get fed to animals in in other countries. But here's what I, I don't think it's important. I think what is really important is for people to recognise yes. that there are a lot of, for want of a better term, greenwashing slash convenient messages to share that aren't necessarily true. The whole thing about animal protein, what a lot of people forget about is that when when animals are wholesomely raised and and wholesomely killed and they are healthy animals and it has been done in a with a for one of it what I would just call a wellness philosophy but whether it was biodynamic or organic or or however you want to term it it doesn't matter but when there's a consciousness to raising food whether it's growing tomatoes or beef or lamb when it's done properly that is for what we would probably call just the, the natural circle of life in the modern world. This is not a natural process. This lab-based plant, but lab-made plant-based protein has nothing to do with the circle of life, has nothing to do with nature, is another terrible example of science attempting to dominate and control nature. And people think that they can take a magic pill and they'll get away with it. They think that they can have a plant-based protein, have some fake and bacon or some tofurkey and think that there are going to be no physical consequences, that yeah. there is going to be nothing wrong with that. And that's because they've heard one too many greenwashed messages like I did many years ago when I took the bait and became a raging vegan and shaved with avocado because how dare I actually <laughs> shave with shaving cream that people begin to behave in ways where they lose um, the ability to have rational thought. That's where my heart begins to beat, beat, beat way too quick. It's like, come on, everybody, stop and think just for a minute. Yeah, yeah. So I hope that this episode has helped you think about this and just to kind of go, okay, that's really interesting. And if you're interested in listening to those conversations, which I'd encourage people to listen to it because you can only ever become educated and you can only ever have an opinion if you are educated. So it's I think it's 100 conversations on climate change. It's uh, yeah, I found it's 100climateconversations.com. I'll, um, I'll pop yeah. it in the and, show notes. Yeah. And it's really well done. Like it's really well done. It's just that you just got to listen out for the greenwashing and just be careful with it. That's all. Yeah, I've had a look. And I think as, a, as an ex-journalist, I think what's really good is to hear both sides of the story so you can make your own objective view and i think you know there's charles massey who i know was a massive massive um like game changer for charlie arnott um he wrote uh, call of the reed warbler which a lot of people uh will have read there's going to be both sides of the coin on that on that podcast and i think that's healthy media I, I think that's actually a good thing to do but we we as consumers must remember to have independent thought on these topics and not just take the bait and go oh did you hear it's like, well, hold on, did you think? It's not what did you hear, but did you think? And that I think is really important. So, Damo, thanks for bringing this topic to the 100 Not Out conversation. Again, we could take this in so many ways. We will put links to that podcast in the show notes. Damo, uh, for your wisdom, I thank you. For our listeners, we thank you for listening. And until next week, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. Bye for now. 
This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.